This podcast aims to help you break in and thrive in marketing communications, whether advertising, public relations, marketing, or journalism slash radio. Today, you will learn that your career will be a weird, winding path, and you'll know how that helped Doug Zanger become his own boss. He just founded Creative Bohemian Consultancy. It's a bespoke consultancy, culminating all his past experiences in radio, copywriting, and journalism, including his 25 years of experience in the ad industry, and 12 of which he dedicated to the radio, so you know this will sound great. So Doug's consultancy solves problems for and surrounding agencies, brands, media, editorial, publishers, talent and leadership, awards and honors, events, trade bodies, industry nonprofits, and academia. He spent some time writing at The Drum and Adweek, and he was the director of purpose and brand communications at the Martin Agency. Like his roles before, He leads with passion and strategic pinpoint accuracy. And now he's opening up his calendar to help people recently laid off at companies like Twitter and Meta. It shows he cares, but he also cares for aspiring talent. So reach out to him at creativebohemian.com to find time. That's creativebohemian.com. And you can connect with Doug. We'll also share his recommended resources. So you'll have to go to our Instagram page at breaking and entering pod, all one word, at breaking and entering pod. And you can see all that there. Now, on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Shelburne. Kick it, Mikey. All right. Doug Zanger, welcome. Hi, <laughs> the breaking and entering advertising podcast. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you you uh, sometimes when we travel, we sometimes take a few stops along the way. So I think you you've caught me, yeah. you caught me flying from Portland to Richmond to uh, Vermont back to Portland. So um, yeah, I, I'm happy to be back. Heck yeah. So tell us what you've been up to, Doug, and tell us about yourself. I guess uh, people, I know you pretty well, but tell the people about yourself who are listening. Remember our audience here, they're aspiring advertisers. They want right. to break in. So give break us a little in. rundown. Yeah. Uh, so the short form is I started my own consultancy uh, in September. And uh, overall, I've been in the industry for about 30 years. And I'll go back to my background here in a second. Mm. Um, the previous stop I had was at a small agency called Salient MG. They're actually a client of mine in my consultancy. Uh, so I work with them on some specific clients internally. Prior to that, I was director of brand and purpose communications at the Martin Agency. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I had uh, about a six-year stretch as a journalist and an editor. Uh, my first stretch was at the drum as America's editor to um, – help get the publication a little bit more famous in the United States. And that was from 2016 to 2018. And then I was an editor at Adweek for, uh, from 18 to uh, when I left to go to the Martin agency uh, in 2020, all the dates are a blur. Uh, I was mainly agencies editor Mm -hmm. there, but did cover and, and go into creative creativity, worked on brand. So 
technically my role was agencies editor, but I did work across a lot of the other verticals as well. Um, and it was great. I, the the six years I spent as a journalist, I think was really formative. And there are other formative times in my career as I go back. Um, I worked and I'm doing this a little counterintuitively. I'm not starting from the beginning. I'm going backwards. Um, but I worked for a company called Stillwell Partners out of New York, and they run the Advertising Week B2B events. Mm -hmm. I was on board seasonally in 2007, 2008, 2009 as uh, somebody that was doing live streaming for them. We had essentially created a an online radio station using that in air quotes. And it, it was a tremendous amount of fun. And then from 2010 to, to 2015, I was an OG social marketer. Mm -hmm. I helped build the first generation of content platform for them. And it's it's really outstanding. Uh, the people who who took it over after I left just built it into something really, really special. And it, it was a small company. And so there were a lot of different roles that I played. Uh, in my time there. So it was mainly the New York event and then helped get London on board in, I think it was 2013 was the first year. And it was really a lot of fun, but it was also, again, looking at this idea of a formative time in my career, I'd, I'd essentially been very local for a long time in Portland, and I'll get to that in a second. But that was a chance for me to be more fully enveloped into what the advertising and marketing world was both nationally and globally. So it was a great opportunity. And I owe Matt Schechner and Lance Pillersdorf, the co-founders of Stillwell, a, a tremendous debt in giving me the opportunity not only to work there, but to also open up this world that ultimately would, um, would be incredibly rewarding. Prior to that, <clears throat> the short form is I spent 15 years in radio. Yep. Um, that's probably why, you know, people will be like, Oh, you, this is why you sound like that. Uh, I was, I was on the air at a, it's called triple a adult album alternative, but, um, it, you know, it was, it, it, go look it up, go search what album adult album alternative is, you know, John Mayer and then Steely Dan, Carly Simon, and then you'd hear Stevie wonder it, like an eclectic, cool. eclectic mix. Um, I like that, you know, the, you know, a lot of Jason Mraz and things yeah. like that. Uh, we flipped it to hip hop and R&B in 1999. And I, um, I managed to survive that format flip. And I spent five years in hip hop and R&B. And uh, again, you want to talk about not just formative, but transformative. Um, I started as, again, there are a lot of stories behind this, but mm. the short form of it is, I ran a street team for six months, um, and then I became a morning show producer because this guy named Ebro, who was at Hot 97 and Apple Music, gave me my first legitimate shot. And I know we'll probably talk a little bit about that, but um, working in an incredibly diverse team and crew, which really hardwired in, in my mind and in my heart, the importance of diversity, inclusion, and equality. And so that was something that was burned into, into me early. Yeah. Um, so two and a half years of producing a morning show and then uh, became a production director. Uh, the guy who helped me get hired, unfortunately, passed away um, after after I got married and I took over for him and then essentially created a creative department, a creative process, because there really mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't one there. And um, then got poached by a bigger company called Entercom and I was creative director for seven stations. So it was the client business, but also some of the um, the station brands. And then I'd dip in from time to time when the mothership in Philadelphia would reach out. Um, 
<clears throat> but prior to that, I worked at Nike for two and a half years and then uh, graduating from college with a degree in international studies, I worked at the Bank of Tokyo in Portland. So a very weird and circuitous path yes. to where we are today. But really, when I look at the cum cumulative effect of this, and I think this is one thing that's really important, especially for for young and new people in the industry to understand is when you start your career, and it doesn't matter if it's in advertising or or you started somewhere else and then you came into advertising or marketing or creativity, we're all given a toolbox and it's empty. And over over time, you start putting tools into it. And I think that's really where I am today, where I realized it was time for me to try something a little bit differently. Sure and grab the toolbox and, and see what I could do with it. Love it. And that's where you built your own consulting agency, consulting firm yourself right now. So tell us what, what you're doing right now with Creative Bohemian. Is it, did I say that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Creative Bohemian. Tell us like what's, what's the vision name. for it? What, <laughs> what's the goal? Um, you started this about three months ago. Am I right. correct on that? Yep. Yeah, yeah, started started in September, and I think part of it was um, part of it was personal. I mean, it really was um, the agency that I was at, Salient MG, and again, they are a client, uh, and just ended up on Adweek's fastest growing agencies list. Nice. So, yeah, and they, I'm constantly amazed at what um, what this team does for for clients so essentially that that agency works with series a and b startups and they're very very good at a lot of things um and i think that you know where, where i was was just wanting to be able to um spend a little more time my kids are a little bit older mm -hmm. and the founder mac mckelvey i've known her for 12 going on 13 years and she's you know really built a great business and I think we realized that this was my priority at the moment was um, not really pulling back, but but shifting into an area where I could be, I, I could just have a little bit more time to explore some other things. And sure, um, she she was nothing but just amazing about number one understanding that, but also understanding that I, I still have something to contribute to a, a few of the clients internally and and working with the teams internally. So. I think ultimately that's that was part of the spark. Um, again, also just understanding that you know here I am coming up on thirty years. I think there were there were some things that I wanted to try and wanted to explore. And I think Gino, you've known me long enough, and one of the biggest ethos for me is that I, I really genuinely believe in this idea of being of service to as many people as possible. And I think that, you know, even though I was at Salient, even though I was at the Martin Agency, and they were great, and the Martin Agency took really great care of me, and and we did some really remarkable things together. Uh, I think that I prefer to be more in the middle, and I think that's what suited me really well as a journalist, um, because I could be in the middle of the industry, and be of service. And sometimes mm -hmm. those stories were tough to tell because your number one role as a journalist is to hold power to account. And even though it's trade journalism, there, you know, there were still some tough stories that we would chase down and tough stories that we would have to tell, but it's all within this idea of being of service. And so that's something that definitely at Stillwell Partners, I felt for sure, because again, I was in the middle of it, and, you know, these major brands and big agencies and just, you know, 
people just coming at you in all these different directions and there was a certain energy to it and you know and again the martin agency was fantastic they they were so good and sailing you know continues to be really good um but i think that i just wanted to put myself in a position where i could be of more service so the agency or the the, the consultancy rather it's not really an agency eh, i mean it's labels right sure agency consultancy whatever you want to call it okay. um the idea behind it is to work more horizontally and less vertically, because I think that as a professional and Gino, you would run through the same thing. These are the skills that I have. These are the things that I do. And that becomes a menu of sorts uh, where I prefer to look at it is horizontally and spending time up front and learning what an agency or a brand or an organization's business challenges or, or problems are. And that's something that's endemic and classic in this industry and has been for a long time. And I do believe that is something that is still relevant and will continue to be relevant. That's what we are in the business of doing. And the way that I'm looking at it is, is less, uh, you know, less about filling a specific need, but assessing what the overall need is and then determining where I can fit in and, mm -hmm. and bro broadly what I work on. And I think part of this is, because of my time as a journalist and an editor and my time as uh, somebody that was working on these events, uh, it's narrative. And I know that's a, that's a word that just gets bandied about and it can be very tired and I understand it. But I think when you start looking at the pieces underneath that, that could be an awards program, that could be an award strategy, that could be a PR strategy, um, that could be uh, an owned content strategy. That could be simply working with executives to make them more confident when they are, um, you know, when they are talking. Speech writing. I love speech writing. Uh, I got mm -hmm. to write for Kevin Warren, the global CMO of, of UPS, when I was at the Martin Agency. How name droppy is that? Uh, but I, I loved writing that speech sure. for him and with him and collaborating with his team. And I'm really, really proud of it. Same with Peter Sloterdyke, um, who's an executive at a startup. Um, called Athena and just is former marketer at Grindr. He's just a lovely, gifted, talented um, marketer and being able to work with him on uh, on a speech that he was working on for uh, in Australia for uh, Mumbrella. You know, those are those are things that, you know, I've worked on. I've worked on events. I've worked on. It. So, again, it's it's start with w where we can where the narrative can and should be. And then you start working the pieces as opposed to the mechanics of it. Love it. Love it. Who who would you say, like, what are some companies like dream clients you would have? Or what are you like? Yeah. That, what are your dream that, clients? That's, that's, that's a tricky one. Um, it's kind of like asking a creative what dream, because I've, I've, <laughs> I've heard of creatives that have had, this has been my dream client, and then they actually get into it and it turns into more of a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I have a particular dream client per se. I think that what I really care about are people that can be additive to this industry. And what I mean by that is that includes being successful for clients. I think that there's this notion that, you know, you need to make money, you should be profitable. And there should be equity in that profit. And there should be equity in that forward momentum, there should be equity in all of that, everyone should share in the spoils of the hard work 
that everybody that everybody puts towards anything. Um, so I think more categories, I would say, I mean, I love travel. I think it's just things that endemically I like, like sports and, and things like that. But But then again, I think that some of the most surprising things in my career have been interacting with people that maybe I didn't know that much about or um, a part of the industry that I may know a tiny bit about, but maybe I can learn more about it. So I think it it more comes down to the people and less, um, you know, a, a signature type of client. I think there is cachet in that. Sure. Absolutely. And as you're trying to build a business to be able to say that you've helped help navigate narrative in a, in a successful way for a major brand or technology company or whatever, there's certainly cachet to that. Um, but again, I'm only three months into this. And sure. uh, I think the better question will be ask, ask me that maybe in a year. And okay. I can probably give you a better answer on that. Gotcha. So I'm interested, like this idea of brand narrative, brand purpose in general, mm -hmm. Can you explain what this is? I understand this, but <clears throat> to right. our audience who might only know the traditional advertising roles, copywriter, art director, strategist, right. account, those basic roles, tell us what this route is and how we can break into it. Yeah, so that's that yeah, that's a that's a long yeah, that's a long and twisty road. I think that the way Let's start with defining what this category of marketing well, purpose, is. just yeah. purpose in general. Yeah, I there there are a couple of ways to cut it. I think that there's there's this idea of of brand purpose and largely it's performative right now. It's you know, we're gonna do this for this of a month or this event, or I think that there's there's confusion as to what brand purpose I think really means. And you look at somebody, you know, following like an FDL Aziz, you know, good as the new cool, I would strongly recommend people follow him. Thomas Colster, um, Mr. Goodvertising, he's out of of Copenhagen in Denmark. He's he's long you know, talked about this. There's sites like Springwise that that show more purpose-led um, technologies and uh, discoveries. Uh, it's it's really a very interesting place to go to see where where people's thinking are. I, I think that th there there are certain ideas around what brand purpose is, and then there's the practical application of it. Again, we talk about it being somewhat performative. There are frameworks that can help see it forward. So many years ago, there, the, and, and it's still, I think, being, in, being used today, the, this theory of triple bottom line, which is um, people, profit, planet. And that was essentially this, this idea of that you can be profitable, but make sure you're taking care of your people and taking care of the planet. So, you know, a decent construct. Extrapolating that a little bit, I would encourage people to look at the United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals because that's a framework in which, uh, in which there are specific goals and uh, under 17 different categories. Unilever, when Paul Pullman was CEO, um, it really made an effort. They had something called the Sustainable Living Program or Sustainable Living Plan, rather. And 
they worked hard to they use the SDGs as they're called in um, in in this framework of trying to build momentum and forward momentum. In some ways, they did really well. In other ways, they didn't do very well. But they were very transparent about all of it. So even if they didn't succeed, they were at least trying to proceed and make progress. And I think that purpose is less of what you see and it's more of what you experience uh, with a brand. So Patagonia is probably the best example of that. And that's the one that keeps coming up again and again and again. Uh, but there's also a bunch of yeah buts. And Ben and Jerry's often hold held up as, as a beacon of brand purpose. Yeah, but it's all this added sugar if you're diabetic and uh, you know, it was one, you know, it was one thing I, I was pre-diabetic for a while and I was like, Oh, Ben and Jerry's is on sale. And I'm looking at it going, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the issues that they had um, with Israel a couple of years ago. Um, and so there, the, you know, no company is going to be perfect, um, but it's consistent demonstration of doing the right thing. And as Deb Morrison at the university of Oregon says, you know, the idea is, is what can you do as a company to do no harm? And again, the idea behind this is not to be not to not be profitable, but where we are right now is for years and for decades, there's something that's been called shareholder primacy. And this started in the 1980s. In the 50s, let me go back even a little bit further. And Robert Reich, the former uh, Secretary of Labor uh, under Clinton, I think it was, uh, he teaches he teaches at Cal. And I would recommend people go to his YouTube channel just to just to get a little taste of of what um, you know what he's doing. But he he was giving a he was giving a presentation to his class at Cal at Berkeley, and he had he had talked about in the fifties that corporations were set up number one to make profit, but also to be of community benefit. So the idea was that yes, we are going to be profitable, but we're also going to be a big part of this community, and we are going to demonstrate that. And in the 80s, that's when people like Carl Icahn came in, and these were the corporate raiders that came in and said, we are going to grab these companies, we're going to strip them down and sell them for parts, and uh, we're going to lay everybody off, you know, <laughs> Elon, um, <laughs> oh, well. Elon, Elon, and Meta's supposed to be doing a bunch of layoffs too. It's all a thing. But anyway, that was the beginning of shareholder primacy. Now, there's another school of thought, which is stakeholder primacy. So this is where consumers have more of a voice. They're going to be more critical of brands. They're going to be more critical of advertisers. They're going to start making choices um, related to that. And the data's lagged a little bit on whether or not brand purpose actually matters to the bottom line of a brand. Unilever's pulled back from it a little bit with the new leadership. Um, but the, the former P&G marketer, um, Jim Stengel, he, uh, I would also recommend people go to see what he's doing because he's working on consistently getting data that points to brand purpose having a net positive effect on profitability. So where we are right now is this very brackish water of shareholder primacy, but also stakeholder primacy. And I had mentioned that speech that I wrote for Kevin Warren. One of the things that he and I talked about, and it was something that um, 
you know, that, that we discussed is this is the big squeeze right now because you have shareholder demands that are pressing from above and then you have stakeholders, stakeholder demand pressing from below. So now how do you navigate that as a brand? How do you navigate that as a marketer? How do you navigate that in the C-suite as the CEO? And so that's where we are right now. And again, it's not a perfect science, nor is it a perfect narrative right now. But companies that can continue to demonstrate that, I think, will long-term, and the, and the thing about perfect, it's long-term. Sure. Um, you know, you're starting to see companies become B Corp certified. Yep. I, that's another important piece of it. Mm-hmm. So there are these disparate pieces that are now coming into a lot more focus, and there's more attention being paid to that. Um, one of my colleagues at Adweek, uh, Katie Lundstrom, does a remarkable job on sustainability reporting. I would encourage people to read what she does. The Guardian does great work there as well. So as it relates to brand and purpose, um, you know, it's it's changing, but it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of will from the C-suite, and it remains to be seen how that will manifest itself. It's definitely not a short-term thing. Gotcha. Thank you for that. Now, if somebody's interested and they're like, okay, I want to learn more. I want to maybe do this for my career. How can they start off? Yeah. Where do they start? Is this later in their career? What's the situation for those that want to dive in? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends. So if, for example, if you work at a B Corp company, if you go to into a B Corp company, that's something that's already built in. So I think, you know, look under the hood. Make sure that as you're looking at companies that you want to, you know, that you want to work with and work for, Make sure that you're looking under the hood. Look at, um, you know, look at look at their public reporting. Look at, if it's a public company, you know, look at look at what their commitment is. Look at what they're demonstrating, outside of just proclamations. Really dig into it as best you can. And and part of this yeah. is by feel. If you if you feel like you you really want to do something in this space, then you can start at a, a smaller company or. You could go in working in so a company like HP, for example. I think they do a remarkable job in sustainability, and I think they do a remarkable remarkable job in purpose. And that's a company that even in the marketing function, I know that if I were starting out in my career, I would feel pretty good about going into that company. Uh, HP, HP, yeah. Okay. Another thing, and I'm and I'm really not trying to to sell it here. I just happen to be on the advisory board and in the adjunct pool at the University of Oregon, but. You could look at the master's degree in advertising and brand responsibility program at the University of Oregon. That's a one-year program. Uh, it's it's not a two-year program. Uh, and it is in, I believe it's in its sixth year. And it really gives you the skinny on what it what companies are doing, what it's really good training. I've taught a couple of classes in the program, and the faculty is is just outstanding. It really, really is. So if, if you're, and again, I'm not trying to sell it. I'm not trying to sell more student debt. I'm not trying to sell any of that. But if it's if it's an option that people are looking for, I would look at that. There are other programs uh, that you can look at. I believe Kellogg at Northwestern has a good program. You can look around and generally find practitioners in the space. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the only like big program that I know of that has a uh, history and a heritage, but it's, it's worth taking a look at that. I might butcher her name, Mercedes Heredia Ferran. Do you yeah. know her? She's a student of the program a couple, a couple of years ago, February, 2021, she reached out to me. She said she was doing that program. So there's a student that reached out and 
is oh, seems to be working as in strategy at 72 and sunny so that's doesn't get much I, better than I th- that i think i am familiar with her yes okay cool shout out shout out shout, shout out, out to the uh mabr masters of advertising yeah. so Love you know pe- people have gone through so uh alex forsyth the um the center for the university of oregon ducks he's in the program oh, and, yeah. i mean take it seriously um Kayvon thibodeau was part of the, the school of journalism and communications but and again i'm not trying to make this a sales pitch for the university of oregon but you know please come visit um but, but yeah it's just it's a matter of honestly and the way that we you know the way that we frame it is we just we want to prepare people to be great professionals but also to be great citizens as well great citizens of the world and also great citizens of the industry and i do think citizenship in this industry is important that's good um love that can't can't go wrong with that so okay any other tips and tricks then um about this um, entering this world ask yeah ask for it's not necessarily just ask for help but just reach out try to get 15 minutes with people don't be don't be don't be meek about saying, Hey, can I get time with you? So I have, I, I have open office hours on Fridays and that's just a time for people to, to go out and, and just ask me questions. And I mean, it could be about anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like, you know, I really like the idea of sitting down with somebody that's young or new getting into this industry and sharing the things that have been successful, but also the things that didn't work out great. And I think that's really part of the measure of how you progress as a professional as well. There are so many mistakes I made, so many dumb things I've done in my career that um, that I look back on and think, you know, that was horrible. Or you know, this other thing. Ultimately, you rebound from it, you recover mm-hmm. from it, and you figure out what's next. But I think for somebody that's that's you know entering into this industry, just and shoot high if you know you mentioned 72 and sunny if you want to talk to glenn cole talk to glenn Mm -hmm. cole if you if you want to talk to shannon washington at rga talk to shannon washington if you want to talk to walt gear at vmlynr talk to Mm -hmm. walt gear reach out to all those people they all got back to me Um, yeah they're busy we're working uh, yeah Yeah. everybody's busy exactly right though um it took me a while to gain that confidence but if you shoot a linkedin note it goes a long way yeah, keep it short and sweet and just I, I would love 15 minutes. I'm 15. just trying I'm just trying to figure all this out. I just want to ask you a few questions. And for the listeners, like I can introduce you to our guests, to Doug, to anybody that you've seen. Yeah. Reach out to me then if you're too scared. I can definitely help facilitate some uh, some introductions too. Yeah. I mean, I'm at Zanger on Twitter for now. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> you're gonna get the 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 blue check mark that's monthly eight dollars. Right. I mean I worked hard for that check mark as a journalist. Yeah. Well, now you can just pay. Uh, now you don't have to work as hard. You can just pay for it. Well, let's just see how everything shakes out. Good luck. You, oh, well, you know what's funny? I um, <laughs> are you familiar with Ning? No. Okay. So, <laughs> so so there are two social, social networks. So there's two social networks that um, I can't remember when they start. So there's this, there was a social network here. Okay. Okay. Yes. That sounds about right. And then there was another social network called path. And I used to bang on path because this is when Facebook was, was still kind of early. And I think that path might've been 2010. Yep. Okay. So path, this idea was, is that you had a social network, but it was only 150 people. 
And back then, I was like, no, I want, I want to be famous. And right, all right. That. And uh, I would love Path to come back. Path, come on, come back. And the social network is 150 people. I mean, I guess that's what Facebook groups is. There's 25 uh, people that work there right now, it says, for Path. 25 employees. Yeah, it might be the. Uh, we can knows. find them yeah, in San Francisco. Maybe there's some VC money still hanging out there. Uh, but Ning was creating her own social network. And I just, as a lark, went on the site last night and I re-signed up. So I, I don't know what I don't I don't know what or if I'm gonna do early adapter or I don't know. Well, I mean I guess early. I was back then. I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I was like a Ning devotee. I was like, Ning, yes, this is gonna be the future, guys. <laughs> hey, it, it could be. Yeah, who knows. Who knows? Who knows? We, we said that about MySpace. Yeah, yeah. Be real. Yeah. That thing. I didn't people... didn't get into it. Didn't get into it. So people my age love it. Well, I mean, by the when I get the notification, I'm either with my dog or staring at a screen. That's not fun. Yep. But I'm I'm old. I'm not old. I'm like there's a Chris Rock bit of like um, I'm not old. I'm just a little too old to be in the club. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, yeah no, I feel not old, too. just a little too old to be in the club. Um, no, I'm 53. But, I'm gonna tell you straight up, like I'm 53. Yeah, hmm. I'm, I just turned 25. Yeah, I remember 25. I was trying to figure out what the hell I was gonna do. Yeah, I yeah. don't even know. Who knows? No, you're doing great. Time. Yeah. All right, Doug. How can you? How can we reach out to you? Add Zanger. You said on Twitter for now. Yeah. Zing, so you got your Zing profile. No, no, no. That's, no, no, no. No Ning profile yet. That's no, no, good. no. Don't, don't. Do uh, no. LinkedIn, LinkedIn's, LinkedIn's usually best. Um, my my site is creativebohemian.com. It's just Zanger at creativebohemian.com. Um, but yeah, just I, LinkedIn's always good. And you know, I I'm not planning on leaving Twitter yet. I don't know. But LinkedIn's usually LinkedIn's usually the move yeah that's that's usually pretty safe yeah what what well, else you what else you want to talk about that's about it well you have your resources that we'll throw on our instagram at breaking entering pod so if people want to find those they have to go to our instagram and we'll also put your uh, linkedin profile in our master resource list so if they want to connect with you instagram is the best way we'll have all the links there right on yeah uh yeah and I, I I was going to tell you a Tanya Tanya Harding story from the morning show days, but we don't have time for that. So no. if anybody reaches out, I can tell that, you that story. There you go. I like oh, that. So many morning show stories. Oh my right. god! This, the, the, I can't believe that I didn't actually get sued a couple of times. Ooh, that's a, that's a good but, little teaser for people. But, to reach but out. I will say, like, uh, I will say that being a morning show producer, that was one of those core like things. So that's I'll leave everybody with this. The things that you're doing today might not seem like they're going to matter, but trust me, there's going to come a time later in your career when you are going to fall back on that intuitively. And being a morning show producer was one of those things, being able to think quick on my feet, having to make a pivot in the last second, having something go absolutely sideways and learning how to navigate and manage that, you might not think that that thing that you're doing right now is actually going to matter, but it does. It absolutely does. So don't forget that. And remember, you have a toolbox. Yep. You are putting things in there. Don't forget that. I love that. Steve Jobs said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. That's, yeah. I love that quote. Yeah, that's cool. true. That's All right, true. Doug, that's it. I will have to reach out to you. You're the yes. man. Nah, it's good catching up, bro. All right. 
Thank you so much. And, and congratulations on all your success, man. I'm, like I said, I'm super, super stoked for you. And Havas is lucky to have you. Thank you, Doug. It means a lot. Thank you again. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod it's all one word breaking and entering pod on instagram we have links to their portfolios and their linkedin and they want to connect so do that and thank yous thank you to mikey malarkey our audio engineer and buchan jong our creative director can't do without you two and a team from the university of illinois it's a student team from the agency called adbus their pr agency and it's been a pleasure working with them thank you all so much and we will see you next week with another amazing guest